You are listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, part of the Tokyo Beat Podcast Network. This is a vintage episode of SequelCast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. But I say this to our citizenry. We, ever your servants, will continue to defend your liberty and repel the forces that seek to take it from you. After the credits roll, it's always more to tell. Especially when the video sales are doing really well. From shock treatment to Jason X to Police Academy 6. This is Sequel Cast. And they are unsurpassed at following a franchise until the better end. This is Sequel Cast. And your host of us that I informed you that the show will now begin. Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a podcast that looks at films in a franchise one film at a time. This time around, we're looking at the Harry Potter franchise. We're getting near the end here with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. No, it's not the last film in the series. It's Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1, released in 2010, directed by David Yates. I'm Matt. With me is Thrasher. Hello, my wizarding friends. And we have uh, Jersey Jason. Hey, everybody. And very special guest, Adriana of Cheval Noir Designs. Adriana, welcome to the sequel cast. You. Uh, do you remember me from college at all? Uh, it's a possibility. You, you, you starred in a horrendous short film I made. <laughs> Which we discussed on our Origins special episode. Uh, yes. Um, uh, where you were a, a girl that was turning down a bunch of guys for dates, and then you walked off and it was filmed near the uh, fountain by the auditorium. Wait, I was in this? Yes. Yep. And the whole film I had to double yes. over in Spanish. You remember, sort of? Yes, I remember that. How Long terrible! How awful of an experience was that? Oh, it was. It was so wonderful, but I couldn't remember it because of all the joy. I, I see. <laughs> and um, you've been doing some uh, modeling for the life drawing classes at SCAD, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, life drawing, painting, uh, some sequential as well. Is it for some I of the longer poses, or I just find out. I find for the longer poses, I think it could get. Um, I don't know. Like I'm not very flexible. I think it get very sore standing in one position for 50 minutes or whatever it is. Yeah, I've definitely thought about getting massages and you know sending them the bill, but I somehow don't think that Scad would pay it. <laughs> I think you're right. I say bilk them for everything they <laughs> have. Or if only she could be hit with a suspendiamos spell. Very good. Back to the Harry Potter. Um, before we start talking about this film, I just want to point out Sequel Cast is a proud member of the Battleship Retention podcast fleet. Check out other great film and TV podcasts at battleshipretention.com. Our theme song is written and performed by Mark with a C. Check out his music at markwithac.com. And, of course, you can uh, check out past episodes at sequelcast.com or check out the Facebook page at facebook.com slash sequelcast. If you want to donate, do so over, over PayPal at sequelcast.com slash donate. So, yeah, um, I'm thinking of the first time I saw Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1 was on Blu-ray. I had purchased it for my, my wife. I was on a lot of medication. I had a, a surgical procedure um, below the waist, let's say. And, and you know what I mean. Um, yeah, uh, you know, that's not so far from the truth, Thrasher. Anyway, it was very, very painful and sore and i remembered very little of this movie first time around adriana when was the first time you saw this did you see this in the theater i saw it in the theater i had a um potter party at the house where we baked cauldron cakes oh, God, and that's good. <laughs> made butter beer i don't alcoholic remember butter alcoholic butter beer. butter beer and uh it's butterscotch and cream soda butterscotch, butterscotch schnapps and yeah schnapps that's right nice soda oh, God. And heavy whipping cream. And I believe we made some sort of Hogwarts Crest Brie. But yeah, we uh, we all dressed up and went to the midnight premiere. And I think I've got pictures of it on Facebook somewhere. Oh, wow. Now, did you uh, read all the books when they came out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was at, at the midnight releases for everyone, I guess, starting at Order of the Phoenix. Okay. Now, I knew people who actually worked at uh, Barnes and Nobles when that happened. Yeah. Um, and, and 
uh, some of just the fun things that would happen, but also kind of like the idiots would come through and say, oh, Harry dies, Harry dies. And it's like, ugh, <laughs> no, the meme was Snape kills Dumbledore. Yes, that as well. Well, that's yeah. more of the, the last one, the Half-Blood Prince. But yeah, I mean, I remember when Deathly Hallows, the book, came out. I recently moved out here in the West Coast to Portland, Oregon. And uh, adults were reading the hardcover book as they were walking through downtown, getting rained on and almost being hit by cars crossing the streets. Again, Portland. Uh, yes, Portland. I mean, Portlandia, if you've seen that show at all, is really understated. I think um, the show could go a lot crazier and still not be on the mark. Um, so, Jason, you saw this in the theater as well? Yeah, oddly enough, I saw it with Adrian. Right, okay. That makes sense with what you just talked about. Uh, Thrasher, what about you? Uh, first time I saw this was this morning. Oh, okay. Well, really? Part of my research for the show, yes. Excellent. Oh, wow. So you're really, okay. But had you read the books? No, I have not read any of the books. And I confess, I've read all the first book and I've read the first 50 pages of all the other books. So that and uh, if you well, like uh, uh, Harry Potter listeners, Sequelcast is going to be doing a live show with uh, me and two very special guests, Tony Minsent of Bowtie Cat and Eric Windsor of OTL Gaming at the uh, Oregon Convention Center uh, the last Saturday in June at 4 p.m. in the Oregon 204 room. So I think we're going to get creamed at this convention, um, not knowing much about Harry Potter. Have some confidence, man. Have you heard of LeakyCon, Adriana? Are people like uh, at LeakyCon? Have you heard LeakyCon? Have you heard of it? Yeah, I'm, I'm a listener of both Pottercast and Mugglecast. Is it a big? Are people going to be coming around the world to go to the Portland, Oregon show? Um, quite possibly. Um, it's not going to be as big as it was when it was in Orlando, probably. But probably not. Um. What advice would you give me if I'm hosting a panel there? Maybe read, read the books. <laughs> read read seven thousand pages in two weeks. Okay. Yes. Oh, I'll eat you alive. <laughs> and what else was that? Uh, yeah, just just read them, or at least. Okay. Read the last one. Well, also to make yourself seem smarter, read the uh, the uh, the British versions. I see. You know, Take I. A- a yeah. rusty nail and work a lightning bolt into your forehead. Oh, very good advice. So, I mean, this thing with this Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part one film, it's directed by David Yates, who directed all the Harry Potter films, uh, Order of the Phoenix going forward, so films five through eight. And this started sort of a trend that you've seen a lot more recently where the last film in a trilogy or a book series gets split up into two films. Do you think that that works, Jason? Uh, and we're just talking about the first film in this episode. This before. movie, because of how thick it was, yes, it's a book. I guess it made a lot more sense. But a lot of these movies that they're doing it with now, they don't have anything. They don't have a reason to. They're fitting Ender's Game in one movie. Yes. How how you string out fucking Twilight? Uh, uh, and what's another? What's another okay, so the okay, Hunger Twilight, Games. Yeah, right. One or two. What else? The Hunger Games, whatever the last one is, like Fire Bird. I don't know. <laughs> no, but that's not that's part that's, that's in the series. It's not it's not being divided into two. Yes, the final book is to being divided into two films. Is it? Okay. Yes. Uh huh. The Hobbit's divided into three, isn't it? Oh Jesus, that's True. right. Great yeah. point. <laughs> and the Hobbit is like a, a children's book that's less than three hundred pages long. Hope you like flashbacks, kids. The bloated <laughs> hydra that is modern blockbuster filmmaking. I mean, I can see on the one hand, like, after, what, after, like, book three, all the Harry Potter books are roughly a thousand pages each, give or take a few hundred pages. I think that's true. That's pretty accurate. You know, between 700 to a thousand pages. Like, it's kind of a wide berth. But they're big books is what I'm getting at. So I could see why you might divide a longer book up into two movies and it kind of reminds me with the old you know silent films you might a single story might be spread over 15 shorter films and you go each week to catch a new chapter to see what uh, petunia pit stop is doing in the on the railroad tracks this episode <laughs> or back in the day you had serials when you had like uh, like lucky charms or or rockets commando cody yeah yep um so maybe it's an indirect callback to that. But do, do you feel like this film just by itself works as a film? Or does it feel like a 
you well, know, just like a prologue to the to the real meat of the story that we'll talk about next week for uh, part well, two. Say log. It, it seems more like a travel log. Today's show is brought to you by Epos Gaming Audio. With a comprehensive lineup of both wired and wireless headsets, gaming amplifiers, microphones, and webcams, Epos has everything you need to experience the power of audio. Like their H6 Pro lineup, which features two versions, an open or closed headset. The closed headset allows you to tap into exceptionally detailed audio and seals out ambient noise while the open version delivers natural, high-fidelity audio with an incredible soundstage. Both headsets include a magnetic detachable microphone and a sleek design that has no wild RBG configurations. Just good design. Listeners can save 15% by visiting www.eposaudio.com gaming and entering code EPOSFRIENDS15 at checkout. I actually was watching this on the screen, and my aunt, uh, yeah, I believe it was my aunt, my aunt asked me, where do they film all this? I'm like, well, it's mostly mostly the north country of England. Hmm. And it's just beautiful. The places they do wind up going and taking shots, it's just, everything is so different that it looks like it's not part of one country, except, of course, for the uh, the color of the sky and uh, all the greenery and the forest and stuff. It's, it's a beautiful travel log if you actually knew where each of the shots were shot, which there probably is somebody who's done that as a map. What did you think of the film overall, Adriana? I, being a huge fan of the books, really appreciated the fact that it was split into two. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when they were building up to the first part of it, they were calling, you know, the first part was a a road movie or a a trip. I think it was called a road movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they were constantly, you know, on the move throughout the entire thing. And, you know, the second half was the one that was, you know, more action-filled. I think it got everything into the story that needed to be into the story for those who haven't read the books. Right. Um, And it kind of explained things a lot better than some of the previous movies. Like, I think Order of the Phoenix was the shortest movie and the longest book. You're right, yes. You know, one thing about the books my wife, Ivana, brings up a lot to me is the books focus a lot more on the, the plight of the house elves and how they're discriminated against. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's something they lose in the films when they try to jam in all this house elf um, pathos in well, uh, Deathly Hallows Part 1? They didn't really... I don't really, I did, was, was SPW no. even mentioned? No. In the, in the... Spew was not... Uh, Spew was not mention the whole subplot between uh, Harmony and um, and all the house elves because you, you realize one of the things they really don't touch on the movie is all the things that magically appear, all the feasts, everything that gets cleaned and everything, it's not just that one guy and his cat. It's a whole army of house elves mm. that live in the basement of Hogwarts that are making your food like appear. Making sure everything's like there for kids and it's like they're custodians that you never really see. It's all these house elves. And they're they're servants. They they are basically slaves because they've been taught to be slaves. And that's I mean that's what they live for. That's what they enjoy doing. Although it dates back to um, if you listen to John Noe of Pottercast, uh, Helga Hufflepuff apparently enslaved them. Although I'm not oh, condoning that. <laughs> oh, it's all Hufflepuff. That's, that's what he claims. I knew it. I mean, do you think we'll ever get a spinoff like Dobby Unchained, where he gets his, no, his revenge? No, because of what happens at the end. Oh, yeah, okay. But. I guess it was Order of the Phoenix when Creature first appeared. They almost yeah. didn't put Creature into the movies. Oh, okay. And J.K. Rowling came to them and they said, she said, you know, if, if you don't put him in this movie, you're going to have a whole lot of uh, problems with Deathly <laughs> the last book or last sure. movie. Wow, so okay. For it and they put him in. What do you think of the the main act, actors in this film? You know the trio of Harry, Ron, and Hermione. With as they age, as they get older, and they did these movies, do you think they look a bit long in the tooth to be running around in, in jackets and uh, casting spells? And well, I, I I like I think I think the actors are still appropriately aged for the roles, and we are getting getting to see them act more. Thank goodness. Although one thing that that I kept noticing is like that early on, we're like, "Oh no, there's a tracer on you until like until you're 17." Like, wait a minute, Harry Potter's not 
seventeen yet? He looks he looks like he's nineteen. Well, again, they're making they try to they try to make every movie. Well, I guess every year they try to make a movie every year. In the summer, they got that um, hall that was a uh, boys' school in England. They got it. They would film as much as they could. I mean, he started when he was twelve, right? Hmm, maybe even a bit younger. I'm not sure, but yeah. And the one thing about um, the one thing about uh, Deathly Hollows is that was all shot back to back. Yes, one and two. Yeah, they shot as much as they could of each scene. So you kind of for that you do kind of have to do it because you can't age so much in between, especially when you're in shoots. Um, like you might be shooting the final battle at Hogwarts before you're actually shooting Gringotts Bank. Right. I mean, you're, you're right, Jason. Like almost no film films their scenes chronologically, like Unbreakable. I think get yeah. You have to shoot as much as you can. Yeah, right. Make the most out of your location with what days you have. Get your shot list done on time. I thought the scene in the beginning is hilarious when, to sort of protect Harry Potter and kind of whisk him off to a, a secret location, everyone drinks Polyjuice Potion, and then you see several different Harry Potters taking off their shirts with different dubbed voices. That, seems that was like- some nice comedy. Although, hasn't it already been established that Polyjuice Potion changes your voice? I, I think it does in the book. Yeah, I don't know if they have, in the books. No, 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 no. It doesn't in the books. Because in the books, they often have to, like, um, when he when he first takes it to look like crab, um, yeah. it doesn't sound exactly like crab. So he kind of has to do it, you know, lowers his voice and kind of not talk so smart. And right. he does that. But the thing is, it doesn't change... It doesn't change the vocal cords as much as the others, but in the movie it has to because you have a different actor playing that usually. But they, I know they um, in the first one that uh, what is the Chamber of Secrets when he turned into crab, uh, and or when they turned into crab and Goyle, their voices didn't change. Uh, it was still Harry and Ron's voice. Um, okay, so that is uh, consistent. Well, it just it just the. the the dubbed voices didn't work, and I felt like the only reason the dubbed voices were there is they were worried the audience was too stupid to remember that we just saw a bunch of different people drinking polyjuice, so we had to be reminded that these are different people impersonating Harry Potter. But I, I, I'm like you, Thrasher. I found the scene very charming. It reminded me of something out of an older <laughs> Disney film, uh, out of an older Disney film, like Ben Knobs and Broomsticks or something. Oh yeah, like slapstick. Well, again, they're going to be flying on broomsticks, so yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right, sort of. They, they don't go play soccer with fish in the ocean or on the beach or whatever the hell happened in that film. Although, but, is is this whole yeah. multiple Harrys necessary? Can't they just use the chimney to teleport? No, the flu network was uh, monitored. Um, they were mm, okay. Doing multiple Harrys because they were all going in different directions. You know, they. Uh. I think they, they explained that in the movie, but... I remember as well, because they like, all these different avenues were close to them. The only way they could do it, the only way that they, uh, that Voldemort one of them was out in the open. The only way they could travel was out in the open. So what do you do? You have to either... And here's my other thing. Is why not just put him under the invisibility coat to travel? That's true. He's had that um, since the first movie. That wouldn't make a very good book now, would it? Fair enough. So, but the thing is, they had yes. to also show... That Snape was still on, was still. Uh, they have to show that Snape is able to tell Voldemort, but they have to be able to do it so that. Oh, God. I don't know. But at this point, they don't know that Snape is, you know, what his true allegiance is. The, the only one who knows is, is Snape and Dumbledore, but, you know, Dumbledore's dead, so. Tired of going to the lame comic cons and sitting around with smelly, moldy comic book boxes and the odor of really creepy cosplayers? Well, you don't have to go there anymore. Connecticut Comic Con with two ends is back on August 24, 2013 at the Marriott Hotel in Trumbull, Connecticut. Join us at Connecticut Comic Con and be part of the coolest con in the entire Northeast. Toys, toys, collectibles, collectibles, sci-fi, sci-fi cosplay contest, all at Connecticut Comic Con. Looking for that comic book to complete your collection? You'll find it at Connecticut Comic Con. Want a piece of original artwork to hang on the wall? You'll find it at Connecticut Comic Con. Connecticut Comic Con. It is your destiny. More details can be found at www.comiccon.com. 
Connecticut Comic Con! Hello, this is Matt, host of the Sequel Cast. I want to make a very special announcement. Sequel Cast Live is going to be at LeakyCon 2013 in Portland, Oregon. If you come on Saturday, June 29th from 4 to 4.50 p.m. at the Oregon 204 Room, you can see me host a very special live show where we talk about the Harry Potter films and video games with very special guests Tony Mincent, editor-in-chief of Bowtie Cat, and Eric Windsor, founder of On the Level Gaming. That's right, again, that sequel cast live at Leaky Con Portland in Portland, Oregon, Saturday, June 29th, 4 to 4.50 p.m. at Oregon 204 at the Oregon Convention Center in Portland, Oregon. See you there. And be sure to check out more great episodes of the sequel cast at www.sequelcast.com. You won't know what you're missing. We're a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Podcast fleet. Thrasher, you mentioned, as before we recorded the show... That you almost like wrote a small novella with how many notes you took on this film? Yeah, I've got lots and lots of notes. That well, we I don't took have that much. We don't have that much time before we go into our other segments. But why okay. don't you? What what uh what pissed you off the most about this film? Well, okay, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'm gonna find what pissed me off the most. But first, I'm also gonna read what may be the funniest note I took. Uh. When, because you know how you know how kids love creepy boardroom scenes. So when Voldemort and the other Death Eaters are having their creepy boardroom scene, and there's that whole thing about how Voldemort needs needs a, someone else's wand to kill Harry Potter. I just wrote down killing your rival wizard with another wizard's wand is like fucking your wife with another man's dick. What is Voldemort into? But let me see if I can find the thing that I that I liked the least. Um. Well, while you were doing that, sequel cast listener Ryan Haas, who was a guest on the video game sequel cast episode on the Mario games of uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie website, he was saying that he thought the um, this book, Deathly Hallows, had a different structure than the other books, and he wished the film would have had a more proper send-off to the Dursleys, like in the book. Ah, hmm. uh, yeah. What yeah, do you have to yeah. say about that? Like, what do they do about... Are the Dursleys even in this film? I don't think they are. The, the Dursleys no, just leave. get into a car and leave and leave Harry at their house. Yeah, they fuck off. Yeah. Well, Harry, Harry tells them to. I think they filmed, actually, a, a more extended version of that. Okay. Because um, there's... In, in the books, there's a point where, you know, Dudley is asking, well, why do we have to leave? And I don't know. Dudley and... and Harry kind of have this moment where they it's like a mutual respect thing. It's like, you know, not necessarily friends, but hey, I appreciate what you're doing for us. And the realization that Harry might die. I mean, uh, this film is even even darker than the last one, I think, as far as tone goes. Oh, definitely. You, you get Mad-Eye Moody gets killed off at the beginning, and you don't, you don't get like a funeral scene. Everyone's on the move. It's very intense. Yeah, and He's on the run. Hedwig gets killed, and Hedwig basically takes one for the team to save Harry's life, and George Weasley, yeah, winds up getting his ear blown off. I mean, um, Rupert Grint is Ron Weasley. He hasn't aged very well, has he? Well, I think he has. He looks a bit lumpy. All all of his family looks a bit lumpy. Well, he's also, remember, he's a ginger. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just saying because of his hair, there's something about the way they mature. (laughs) <laughs> you're, you're not saying they're equal you're just saying they're separate but equal so so uh, Jer- jersey jason how do gingers mature please educate us mm-hmm. well there's something about their eyes the way they usually stay very <laughs> child like no no hold on, wait, listen, listen okay listen. finish okay. your thought they stay very young looking but there's something off because they're older than what they actually look there's <laughs> a guy that i'm working with he looks like he should be like 16 but he's actually like 24, and it's very unnatural because there's still the age lines, but his face is still a baby face. I've seen this. I've seen this multiple times with gingers. Okay. I have. You sound like, you sound like the way they cut their hair. Quince monologue from Jaws. You ever see the ginger's eyes? Black, <laughs> lifeless, like a doll's eyes. So you're saying the the red hair on uh, on, on gingers makes them look younger, just the hair. Yes, because it's it, for me, red hair is usually a sign of immaturity. Well, hey, does 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 the does the magic carpet match the magic drapes? Oh God! Though here's the cool thing, guys. I got to see Rupert Grint 
uh, give the finger to some nuns. He was here wow. in Savannah really? filming a movie called um, CBGBs with... Oh, Alan Rickman's in that, yes. <laughs> oh, wait, hold on. Adriana's got a story. Adriana's got a story. Go ahead, Adriana. Well, uh, Alan Rickman was in, involved with that as well. And, He's the uh, lead, yeah. And as we um, all here in Savannah know that uh, I, I have got a, a thing for Alan Rickman, um, I was simply observing him um, as he was filming his scenes. I was not stalking. Stalking implies a malicious intent, and it was not malicious um, or extreme in any sort of way. I just wanted to see. So my friend uh, and I, yes, or name nameless, uh-huh. um, we were out one evening looking for the filming locations, and we couldn't find Alan Rickman anywhere. We wandered over to uh, the set, and... We were looking around. It was inside the old um, restaurant supply building, Beauregard's Restaurant Supply. Oh, yeah. And so we're looking around, and we start talking to some people, and this guy was like, well, hey, you know, I know I know the the owner of this place. Um, I'm sorry, Bernstein's, not Beauregard. And uh, he's like, I know the owner of the place. Let, let me call him. So he called him. He didn't answer his phone. Now this is like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, so I don't know bed. <laughs> So we, he was like, let's see if the back door's open. Back door's wide open. So we walked in, and uh, we sat there observing um, the this scene where they're just trashing this convenience store and, like, this jar of pickles getting thrown across the room. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it got within, I don't know, a couple feet of room for Grant. Leaping distance. Leaping distance. Leaping distance. I did not leap, however, uh, gentlemen who may or may not have been um, official part of the directing staff, came back and asked us what we were doing back there and why we were there, and we needed to leave right now. Yeah. Alex, hi, I'm Ray. How would you explain our show, No More Whoppers? Are you a nerd having trouble transitioning from your 20s to 30s to 40s and beyond? Age with us, not at us. <laughs> I'm already gray. Are you tired of the man keeping you down? If you see something, say something. Do you enjoy the family computer? Capsule computing. We got them all. (laughs) No more whoppers. We outlived the queen. She said it couldn't be done. No, I'm fading. (laughs) Come back. I can't do this alone. Do you enjoy number munchers? And is numbers what you call Then listen to No More Whoppers. Only on the Tokyo Beat Network. So, I mean, what, was Alan Rickman tossing pickles around the set, too? Was, I never cared much for pickles. I don't like pickles, Mr. <laughs> Potter. Alan Rickman was not there. He was he was kind of a stick in the mud, I think, when he was here. He wasn't... Oh, that's true. But, I mean, maybe... I, I bet the humidity really does hit people if you're not used to it. Well, I imagine that when he's not on set, he's like, Dr. Smith, oh, my delicate back, oh, the pain. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know... I was across the street from him while he was filming a scene uh, where he looks at a bomb and invites him in. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. We were eating uh, barbecue. Huh. So, I mean, the thing I'm wondering about that film... Yeah. The only way we, could, uh, we were allowed to sit and watch was if we were eating. Very so, I mean, CB, CBGB's was an infamous uh, club in New York City where bands like the police and stuff got their big starts, you know? The police and stuff. I ought to take you to a Donnybrook. Is that film going to have like a bunch of actors acting like they're rock stars having their Basically, you know, yeah. hit shows there? You think they're going to lip sync and have the music track play? Or are they going to carry them played over tracks? Some of them actually were able to play, yeah. but I think they mostly went for lip syncing over tracks. Um, Rupert Grant played the bassist for the Dead Milkman, I believe. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm sure it won't have uh, dialogue like uh, Alan Rickman saying. You police can come here any time, but please don't arrest me. No, he has to have a titular line. This place gives me the CBGBs. Oh, Christ, that's terrible. <laughs> and here he does have a little song, which apparently is kind of creepy. <laughs> One last Ellen Rickman thing, then we'll take a, a moment to talk about some of our sponsors at SequelCast. Ellen Rickman is uh, tremendous in a movie called Perfume. Oh. Have you seen that? Yeah. Adriana. Yeah, I've got a copy. I'll, I'll show it to you. It's, it's awfully disturbing. It's a very disturbing movie. But did you think he was good in that film, Jason? Yes, and Dustin Hoffman is fantastic. It, yeah, very quirky Dustin Hoffman part. Like weird, uh, up ending, but everything else about it is pretty brilliant. Yeah, 
Are, are you trying to seduce me, Mr. Rickman? Do you want me to seduce you? <laughs> oh, you're doing it like an American cowboy. Okay. <laughs> no, I believe you'll miss the reference, Mr. Shaggy. The <laughs> reference was to the graduate. Mr. Potter won't be joining us forever. You, you don't want to die hard, but let's go to a clay pottering class. Okay. Um, also, I was in Dogma. So, sponsors! Yes, uh, <laughs> if you visit our website at sequelcast.com, and not only can you check out past episodes of the Sequelcast, you can check out our whole family of shows, such as Sequelcast Special and Movie Topics at Large. Sequel Commentary. family of shows. Yes, uh, Sequel Commentary, which is audio commentaries for sequels or cult films, and uh, Video Game Sequelcast which looks at video game franchises uh, sort of at an overall view, because there's so many video game franchises out there. Um, not only that, you can donate to us at sequelcast.com slash donate. Donate via donate. I almost said donut. Donate via PayPal. It's a great way to do it. Um, you can listen to us on Stitcher Smart Radio. It's an app where you can listen to podcasts streaming on the go, so you don't have to sit around for five minutes for a podcast to download. Get the app from Stitcher.com slash SequelCast, and the SequelCast podcasts will be added as some of your favorites. If you want to like rent a movie we're talking about on through Amazon.com uh, as an Amazon Instant Video thing, you can do that through our links at SequelCast.com, and we get a little cut of that. And it's only, usually it's like $1.99 or $2.99 for a, a digital rental, which I think is a very competitive price. It's pretty good quality. Most of the stuff is in HD. And also check out, you know, our thebattleshippretention.com or part of the Battleship Retention podcast fleet. And if you want to buy a sequel cast like t-shirt or flask or button, you can do so at cafepress.com slash sequelcast and the Facebook page is at facebook.com slash sequelcast. You can follow my Twitter account at sequelcast. And uh, you can follow Thrasher at Internet Mayor. Indeed you can. I just made a hilarious math joke today. Is it a one plus one equals Gru? No, no. It was a one, two, skip a few, Aleph, not infinity. I, I don't get it. Okay. Back to our discussion. A- Aleph, not is the infinity of transfinite numbers. Aleph, not represents all numbers sh- short of the infinite. So, Adriana, while we're in the plugging section of the show, what can you tell us about Chevo Noir Designs? Um, that, that is my personal website for art. Uh, eventually, event planning will be up on there. Um, custom paintings, portraits, uh, graphic design work, logos, just about anything artistic. <laughs> What is it it's that? What is comic. it? I like the logo very much. What is it about a horse? Of course, of course, that motivates you. Um, Cheval Noir means black black horse, and okay. in my life there have been two black horses that have played very big, important roles, and I thought it only fitting to, I guess, kind of channel them through my artwork. Do you have a favorite movie about a horse? Uh, probably Secretariat. Toby Maguire looks like a horse, I think. Sorry. <laughs> He's not in this film. I was I was going to say Black Velvet, because you said Black Horse, but... Uh, no. Uh, Black Beauty. Black Beauty. Black Velvet isn't anything. I just made that up. Okay. No, no they're using a Blue Valentine. Or is it, National Velvet. I was thinking of Black Beauty, but... Um, or the song. Oh, I think I you're right. The, the, the song. You used to do that in karaoke, <laughs> uh, Mr. Jason. <laughs> Very so, good. okay, so back to Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. That's kind of, I think, the most important thing in this movie is the Deathly Hallows. And what are the Deathly Hallows? Please illuminate us. Well, in this, I guess, uh, after uh, Scrimmage, the uh, minister, minister of Magic, uh, Rufus Scrimmage, he gives the, uh, the three their inheritance from... Uh, Dumbledore. From Dumbledore. Dumbledore, thank you. Uh... What is it? It's... The Deluminator? Uh, Ron receives the Deluminator. Hermione gets a copy of the Tales of Beetle the Bard. And Harry gets the first golden sister he ever caught. And he was also bequeathed the sort of Godric Gryffindor because Dumbledore's wrong. But also because the minister... But the minister explains that the sword was not Dumbledore's to give. So... But it's missing anyway, so it doesn't matter. Then, <laughs> Scrimgeour gets assassinated. And we have to go on a run. Basically, everybody like has to flee from this wedding. Uh, Bill and Flor Delor, uh, or Delacour, who was uh, one of the French 
uh, what the the what uh, Bobaton. Right. Uh, oh, and they met, I guess, and uh, yeah, they're together. She was the champion who got uh, hoodwinked in the maze, and uh, yeah. Okay, but you're not answering the question, Jason. What are the Deathly Hollows? Oh, well, again, that kind of goes to a story that is told to every small wizard child, but was never told to Harry or Hermione because they didn't grow up in wizarding households. Um, there are there were three brothers, uh, three wizarding brothers, way 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 back in the back back past, and they were going to try and cross a stream, but they made a bridge and death stopped them, saying, "Hey, you're supposed to die in this stream, you assholes." <laughs> How dare you use a minor magical ability to thwart me? Yeah, exactly. No, he like death hates magic because magic can thwart him. Um, which I guess also kind of comes into the idea of the Death Eaters because the Death Eaters believe themselves to be believe themselves to be over death and be able to defeat death. Really, the only things that can are supposedly Deathly Hollows. They give uh, prominence over death. Because the three brothers are so smart and such good wizards, death gives them three, uh, gives them each an item, anything they wish. One asks for a wand that can't be beaten. Um, they'll make him the best wizard. Uh, the second one asks for a stone that will bring back the dead. And the third, he asks for something to make it so that death can't follow him back home. So death gives him a cloak, and it is a cloak of invisibility. And the one thing that was so cool in the book that I love it's like, well, everybody keeps talking about, like, oh, the man, this cloak, just like yours, Harry. And the people are like, well, most cloaks, they fall apart or their their powers weigh in over years. This, this cape, this this cloak of invisibility that Harry's had for the entire run of the movies, nobody's ever said, hey, why doesn't your cloak wear off? Why, why, why? It's really good. Your father had that? Wow. His father had it? Wow. How is it that this is being passed down and it isn't falling apart? Well, I would say that was one part of the movie I really liked was the way the story was told with that kind of puppety origami animation. Oh, very cool. Yeah, I think yeah that very, was a good bit. Kind of like the stories uh, from Hellboy. Uh, Hellboy 2. Um, what was Hellboy 2 called? Golden Army. Golden Army, thank you. I like, wish so the whole movie a... looked like that. Also, did you notice the second brother had the same silhouette as Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> what? Yeah, he, was, he looks just like Lincoln without the hat. Oh, yeah, he does. While you're around it, is there something about this film that we haven't talked about yet that you'd like to touch on? Oh, but here's something about the Deathly Hollows, though. Each of the brothers meets their end. Death collects them because of their because of the gifts that he gives them. Well, the first two. The first two. The third was the smartest. And he was at the Percival House? Or oh, Paravel. 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 And, of course, Paravel family also... Um, like founded Godric's Hollow, the same town that Harry's parents died in, where Harry was born and grew up. Yes. All of this stuff is kind of revealed. So the movie comes full circle to show you, really, Harry is part of this long wizarding tradition, but also might come from one of the first of the, or might come from one of the three brothers, all of whom were the greatest wizards, I guess, because they were able to make a bridge and defeat death. Well, I think before we give our ratings for this film out of five stars and move on to the other segments of the show, I have a Harry Potter question that I hope um, Jason, you and Adriana can educate me on. At LeakyCon, there's going to be two actors from the Harry Potter films, but there are people that played very minor parts, and I'm trying to get interviews with them. So one of them is Scarlet Byrne, who played Pansy Parkinson in the Harry Potter series. Who is Pansy Parkinson? She was a female Slytherin. Oh. Uh, I think she dated Draco for a bit, or that was alluded to at least. It is in the book. I don't know if it's in the movie. But there are scenes of him, like, you know, with his head in her lap, and, you know, she's petting his hair and everything. Just on the train. She has a very scary face. It gives me the willies. Well, yeah. That's why she was chosen for Slytherin. I think so, yeah. (laughs) The other um, actor from the film is Devin Murray who played Seamus Finnegan. Oh, Seamus! Yes. Oh, shit, me. Who was he? Was he a part of the Hogwarts? Or? He was a Gryffindor. He's the one who keeps trying to like turn his um, his butterbeer, or keeps trying to turn his drinks into butterbeer and alcohol. Okay, because he's Irish. I get it. He's blowing things up. Yeah, and he's also one of the ones who like calls Harry out on how his, like, his mom 
wants to keep him out of uh, Hogwarts because Harry's a nutter. Uh huh. He's, he's a great speaker, yeah. He like really kind of, and then finally I think the end he apologizes, but still. So Devin Murray has a bigger part in the saga than Scarlet Byrne. Yes. But what I would do is I would ask them basically, yeah. ask them not what it was like to work with the people like uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Ask them what it was like to work with the director. Ask them what it was like to to act in that world. That might be good to ask what it was like working with the different directors because um, David Yates, you know, the, did the later films, but different yeah, directors. Yeah, I'm on the other random non Harry Potter people that are going to be at LakeyCon and I want to try and talk to. One is Amber Benson. Wonderful. Who is she? She was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, I believe. Why is she? No, the next one's even worse, and I've talked about this in the show before. And I like the actor. Anthony Rapp of Rent, one of the two leads from the stage play in the movie, is going to be at LakeyCon. Don't ask me why. Um. As celebrities do cons. Yes. That's the answer right there, isn't it? Um, yeah. When is I say there, celebrities. Is there a good like Harry Potter show. band I should see, Adriana? Is what? Is there a good Harry Potter like band yes. I should see? What? Um if Swish like... and Flick are there, they're really good. Uh-huh. Um, Ministry of Magic has got a, a great song called Gryffindor Rally Cry. And it makes everybody turn into a Gryffindor for about three minutes and nine seconds. <laughs> okay. I like uh, Harry and the Potters. One yeah. of their songs, We've Gotta Save, uh, We've Gotta Save Ginny, is a really good song. Yeah, it looks like um, Harry and the Potters is there, Ministry of Magic is there, The Whomping Willows are going to be there. Oh, I like them. Tonks in the Aurors. I don't know, they have a whole section called LeakyCon Rock, so. Yeah, um, Bella... Bella and the Strangers, uh, they're kind of a smaller band, but they're, they're yes. pretty good. And Carpe Geekdom, I saw them in Savannah. Very good. Well, thank you for dropping that those Harry Potter truth bombs on me. Hopefully I'll remember a fraction of it when I maybe get to talk to these people or go to the con. Um, so, with that, think of a rating out of five stars. What would you give Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1? I think I'd give it three out of five stars. I like some of the more of the courtroom stuff with the bad guys getting stronger and, and stuff in the film. But I think a lot of the movie to me is just Harry Potter and his friends moping in a tent, dancing to a song. I, I don't know. Like it. No, I hate that part. I really don't like yeah. that. Part. I liked the dancing. It was awkward. It was thrown in. I didn't feel like it had like a reason to exist. I was going to alleviate some kind of boredom that they were having. Or right, maybe to get a little bit of lightness and show, hey, they're friends, they like each other, even though they fight sometimes. Yeah, I don't well, know. That's hard because he really should have been with Jimmy at the time. It's like, why are you dancing with her? She should be pining over Jimmy. Thrasher, what do you give Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 1 out of 5 stars? I'm, I'm going to give it a 2.5. The parts I liked where stuff was actually happening, I really, really liked. But like you said, there's just a lot of time spent with people moping or people wandering around or people sitting in tents or people just hanging out and not using their magic. Fan of the show, Beth Gilmer, argued that the characters are camping against evil. Oh, that's true. And also, that's the best way to get your instances XP. you got to camp for when they respawn. One thing I did like, and I like the way they did it, I love the radio broadcasts. Oh, I, I wish there was that. more of that because yeah. it is. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, I did, I did like Ron's little speech about why he listens to the radio. That was very good. Adriana, what do you give Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 1 out of 5 stars? Probably go 4 out of 5. Um, again, being a kind of hardcore Harry Potter fan in general, um, there was a lot of anticipation for this movie. And I think out of all the ones prior to it, it you know, it, it delivered pretty well. I mean, there were a couple parts that I was a little bit disappointed about, and it definitely left me, you know, wanting the second half right away. I mean, I really enjoyed it. What's your yeah, how long was it between the two? Uh, a year? Yeah. A year. No. No, that... It, it seems like it was less than six months. We didn't have to wait long for it. But I remember it's like one was in the winter, one was in the summer. Oh, you're correct. I'm sorry, Jason. Yeah. Yeah, July. 
July, and uh, the first one was in uh, November. So, yep. Yeah, we had less than so six months. And Adriana, what was your favorite Harry Potter film? I don't know. It's it's hard to say. I I like both the first and the second one. Um, okay. Deathly Hallows, rather. Um, I really enjoyed Order of the Phoenix as well. Yeah, so did I. Yeah. Um, one of my favorites. But I think Deathly Hallows Part 2, uh, simply for Snape's memories. Mm. And your favorite book? Deathly Hallows. It was very, very emotional book for me. I hear from a lot of people they either like Deathly Hallows or Half-Blood Prince the best as far as the books go. I feel Half-Blood Prince as a book was super clever. But mm. I don't feel it was as strong as I really, really enjoyed Order of the Phoenix as a book. Speaking of Half-Blood Prince, we got raked over the coals by a fan. And as I said, you know, we don't have you on, Jason. We don't know what we're talking about regarding Harry Potter. Uh, uh-huh. in, in the episode last week, I made the mistake of saying the Half-Blood Prince was Voldemort. Oh. Oh, no. And I got kicked in the balls <laughs> for that. Jeff, Listener Jeff Parks Jr. said, The Half-Blood Prince was Snape, not Voldemort. Hashtag watch the movie, maybe? Oh. <laughs> I, so we talked I back don't recall and forth. that ever coming up in the movie. I might have mentioned it as a throwaway thing. I, I probably said, and of course the Half-Blood Prince is Voldemort, and just kept on moved right along. It's not something we focused on. I, as someone that, this is the second time I've seen these films in sequence, you know, so close to each other, uh, here for the sequel cast, and not reading the books, I still feel a bit lost sometimes. They're very dense, there's a lot of characters, there's a lot of um, things that go on that the movies don't touch on and don't spend a lot of time explaining. But he did apologize later, and he's going to try and see our live show in Portland. So we'll oh, see. cool. Where, where he will be burned in effigy. Yep. And uh, Jason, what would you give this one out of five stars? I'm, again, I'm going to have to say three out of five. Um, I like it, but I feel that it pales. Because of certain sections of the movie that I don't feel are as strong, that kind of just go on and linger... Whereas the next one is just full of action. I mean, it's it is good. It's beautifully shot, but there's just some things that just take take forever to get to the next thing. It's like, well, come <laughs> come to it. Where's the when the, it's from the city yeah. to the city, and then when's Ron coming back? We need Ron. Why are you dancing? We need Ron. Very good. So we got a few more segments on the show left to go after this very good discussion on Harry Potter: The Deathly Hallows Part One. Uh, our next segment is pitch a sequel. So we're going to pretend like there's no books, no movies that took place after what happened in this film, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. So if you could wrap up the Harry Potter stuff after what goes on in this movie any way you wish, briefly, how would you do it and what would the title be? If you could make the movie Harry Potter 8, you know, what would it be about? Can I go first? Go, Jason. Go right ahead. Go, Jason. Go, Jason. Go. Okay. Uh, Deathly Hallows Part 2. Uh, Revenge for Dobby. Okay. Or for Dobby, sorry. For Dobby. Um, Revenge for Dobby. Um, it is them getting everybody together and storming, uh, and going after Lestrange. I see. Going after Bellatrix. Um, and then going after the headquarters. Just get Bellatrix out of the way. Yeah. Revenge. And then, yeah. I mean, you've already got Grip Hulk, Ollivander, Luna. You've got uh, Bill, you've got Floor at that house. You put a call out to the other orders of the Phoenix, they come running, take out Bellatrix. Oh, yeah, she really needs, she killed Sirius, too. Oh, and she killed Sirius. Fuck her. She even sang a song about it. Yeah, she did. Yeah, which is better than Sweeney Top. Go ahead, Aja. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to think about this. Okay, um, uh, I've got mine. Go ahead, Thrasher. Okay, mine is going to be uh, Harry Potter and the shit that got real. Oh, where, okay. Where uh, it's a short film that wraps up the series where essentially everybody, you know, all the good wizards and all the evil wizards, everybody's surrounded. It's like a huge magical Mexican standoff and Harry steps forward and, and uh, Voldemort steps forward and they immediately start zapping each other and then both their wands break. And that's when Harry realizes, wait a minute, Voldemort's like 120 years old. I'm 18, or I'm 17, or whatever the hell his name is. 
So Harry just bull rushes Voldemort and beats the fuck out of him with his bare hands. And he does not stop until Voldemort is a smear on the ground. And each time a blow lands, Harry mentions a character that's been wronged that he is beating his revenge out of Voldemort for. Finally, when it's all over, to make sure Voldemort is well and truly dead, Harry rips out Voldemort's heart, eats it, takes his power and his soul, which is digested forever and can never come back. Uh, and then everybody's and then everybody's too terrified of Harry to mess with him, so Harry gets to lead a normal life in Sussex. One problem with that. You say What's he's that? 108, but he has a uh, Ray Fine's body. Yeah. Uh, that body has been uh, withered away by the experience of making these movies. Oh, he's been man. ravaged horribly. My pitch a sequel for this would be about, um, it would be called Harry Potter's uh, A Bit of a Knob. <laughs> it'd be about Harry Potter, he's kind of being a bit selfish, he wants to leave and do everything himself, and is being kind of a jerk to his friends, frankly, and Hermione and Ron and Ginny, everyone else, they've had enough. They said, okay, fuck you, Harry Potter, go do it yourself, see if you win. And it's, um... Kind of like, and, and the whole film is Harry, no, in, in my version, Harry Potter, <laughs> and Harry Potter's a bit of a knob, uh, would be like he's on the losing end of a Rocky movie. <laughs> he just gets the shit walloped out of him. After like an initial victory and he gets sort of I excited, he gets the, the shit walloped out of him out of every turn. And at the end, you know, he's near his death and, and Voldemort steps the Dark Lord himself, he that shall not be named, although I just did, um, you know, steps back and says... I'm not going to do the final blow myself. I shall let my newest companions do it for me. And you'll see, haha, Hermione and Ron have turned over to uh, the, the dark arts. And they are they wearing like sexy leather outfits. Yeah, uh, exactly. Sexier than the, the Matrix 2 in the French club, yes. And uh, <laughs> they, they wave their wands and, and execute Harry Potter's head at the, at the same time. Seeing, see, Harry, I, I thought you didn't need us. And they kill him. So kind of depressing but adriana have you thought of an idea um i think my my deadly hallows part two would uh have to go a completely different direction and be called harry wakes up in a loony bin okay <laughs> and he uh or harry starts his medicine again perhaps and it, it comes to to light that um he's been in a mental hospital this whole time and he's you know, imagining himself doing uh, magic and defeating the Dark Lord or, you know, and all these house elves and things. And I guess it would kind of be, kind of be sad as well. Well, actually, because of that, can I... Uh, I'm going to interject here. Alan Moore has kind of a hate on for Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling. He made Harry Potter the main villain for his, uh, his turn of the century. I think it was 19... It might have been, yeah, I think it was like 20, uh, 2001. And it was Harry Potter was this guy, he was this adopted kid. He was basically taken to the school where they were going to teach him magic and everything. And then he realizes, oh, fuck, they're not teaching me to be the, like, the protector of humanity. They're not, like, I'm not going to be the chosen one. I'm being chosen to be the Antichrist. Oh. Hmm. So he fights them. He fights the League of Gentlemen. Uh, they leave extraordinary gentlemen, yeah. and they're unable to defeat him until they call Mary Poppins to come down and basically turn him into a chalk drawing on the ground, and then he's washed away. Oh, not even joking. That's how it happens. That's awful. And they actually call him Harry Potter in the comic. No, okay. but everything else, like the friends, the adventures, everything that he goes on, yeah. is all to get him ready to be <laughs> the Antichrist. And he like he like grows like super huge, and his penis is out dangling, and he's got all these eyes over his bald head. It's really <laughs> fucked up. Sounds like Alan Moore, yeah. Yeah, um, that's really neat. I'll have to check that out. I've read, you know, I think just the first two uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen graphic novels. I know they've done a lot more since then. So the Black Dossier, right? Yeah, I, I read the first one, and the second one was like War of the Worlds, right on Mars. Yes, yes. Okay, I read those two. If only they had made a sequel to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, I, I know, man. That movie did really well overseas. They they could have, but I, I just want Sean Connery to do another movie. Really. Oh, 
Oddly enough, here's another connection. Yes. Um, Luna's father is played by the guy who played Hyde in that movie. And he also played the uh, the cab driver in um, uh, oh, Alan Moore's uh, From Hell. So our next segment is sequel news running a little bit late. So I just want to say if you want to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash sequelcast, you can check out some news relating to sequels. Um, I just want to have... A, a moment of, of silence or whatever. We just got word that um, actor James Gandolfini has died no. of, of a stroke in Italy at the age of fifty-one. Oh, so he has a, he has a few movies yet to come out. Oh no, did it just fade to black? A lot of people have made that uh-huh. comment on Twitter. Yeah. Um, oh, nuts! I'm not the first. No, but um, yeah, I was going to try to think of a soprano pun, but I, I couldn't think of. Now we sleep in a single the... movie he was in. Get no, Shorty. In a sequel. He was he was not in a sequel. I don't think he was in um, some remakes, but no sequels. He was in the Mexican. He was in the Ant Bully. He was in uh, Get Shorty, which had a sequel. It did have a sequel. That's, I guess that's the closest thing. He was not in the sequel, but you're right. He was in the first one. Um, See any of the analyze this and that, and this as well. No. no. Analyze this and that and this as well. <laughs> yeah, I really need to get off my ass and finish The Sopranos. I've seen like the first season and I saw the last season. But not oh, all, not uh, here's something. The uh, they put out a call for a whole bunch of casting types they're looking for. For the new Star Wars, Star right? Wars, yeah, for Star Wars 7. What do you think about that? You think it's real? Does it seem sort of... No, because here's the thing. is, I think they would have already sent out a thing looking... Well, no, because they're looking for... They're looking for some new people. Well, maybe it is. Because some of them, I would expect they'd be grabbing somebody famous. Right. But they're looking for, like, new named people, new faces. Yes. That's right. what they did, really. They found a whole bunch of new people for uh, the originals and as well as the um, the uh, first three. Pretty much. Um, Adriana, do you give a shit about Star Wars? Um... I have only seen any of the movies once, maybe twice. I enjoy them, but I did not grow up on them, so I don't have the love that right. everybody else does. That's the way I feel about Harry Potter. I think, you know, had I been uh, in middle school when those books came out, I think I probably would have latched onto it more. Um, so does the idea of a new Star Wars film from J.J. Abrams interest you at all, that it has some of the older actors in it? I think it's kind of cool. I mean, I'll, I'll yeah. go see. <laughs> sure, yeah, it'll be... J.J. Abrams makes a pretty film, if nothing else. Um, I One last bit of sequel news. I, I said this would be fast, so I'm trying to skip ahead here. Um, the financing finally came through for Dumb and Dumber 2. 2 was spelled T-O. And so it's we gonna, can all finally get some sleep. Well, it's going to have Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels in it, reprising their roles. So, um, I don't know. I like Dumb and Dumber. I think that's one of my favorite comedies. So, I know it was a fun movie. And the Ferrelli it brothers. It ended are, so well. What? What? It ended so well. Why did it? Did. We well, you know what the plot's about. They have kids. Uh, one of them has a kid they didn't realize about, and they need a kidney transplant, so they go to their kid to try and ask for a kidney. What the fuck? Yeah. I hope they murder <laughs> the kid trying to steal his kidney. <laughs> it's it's a weird plot. Um, I, well, I was just... It was a road movie. They're going to do another road movie. Yes, of yeah. course. And I, I listened to a podcast where uh, Peter Farley, one of the Farley brothers that directed and wrote the first film, Mentioned that when the first uh, Dumb and Dumber, the screenplay was being passed around, when it was titled Dumb and Dumber, none of the agents would let their actors look at it. <laughs> so they changed the title of the screenplay to A Power Tool is Not a Toy. <laughs> and all of a sudden, people thought it was really interesting. You know, they thought, oh, so it sounds like a, a, an edgy indie comedy. But it was the same old script, just a different title. So we got to use that. Yeah, that's a, it's a line of dialogue in the film. Um, so I think I'm missing a segment here, Thrasher, but it's been a few weeks since we've done a sequel cast. What you what you what you watching? <laughs> Thank you. I feel like such a moron. I'm a, okay, what you're watching? We talk about a piece of you know a movie or TV shows or book, something we've checked out in the past week. Uh, Adriana, what have you been watching? I am actually on a kick. Uh, I am wa- rewatching the Friends series. 
Huh. In order? In yeah, I'm on season three, I believe now. How does it I'm hold judging up? you right now. You can judge away. How does it hold up? Uh, it's it. It entertains me. You know, it's a it's a show. <laughs> yeah, I play it in the background when I'm, you know, painting and stuff. Went to see the um, epic and the Great Gatsby while I was in New Jersey. Nice. Is the epic a good cartoon or? Yeah, it's uh, animated. It um is it look is it like Fern Gully the Last Rainforest? That's what the trailer reminded me of. Ooh, with Tim yeah. Curry. Yes. It, it doesn't have Tim Curry in it though. Uh, that's too bad. Oh. But it's it was good. It was you know a kids movie and kind of what I expected. But it's not like a movie where these like elf creatures go to New York City. No. Okay. And then, and then an evil wizard well, like, makes I don't know, evil like, duplicates called naughties, and then the naughties tried to trick the female elf creature. Fuck you, Hollywood! Uh, I'm thinking of, like, the Smurf films or, like, the, the He-Man movie. Um, yeah. You know. No. <sighs> this is New York. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Something I was uh, watching recently. I was watching a show called Kitchen Nightmares with Gordon Ramsay. Go on. Is anyone familiar with this? Yes. And the last episode of this most recent season where he goes to a place called Amy's Baking Company is the first episode where he gets so fed up he just leaves. He's done that before in the English version. Oh, in the British one? Really? Okay. Yeah, the people are just so crazy. Yeah, these people, I mean, there's a whole. if you look at the the Yelp page for Amy's Baking Company or the Facebook page, it's just um, crazy. And I mean, the restaurant apparently was clean, which is unusual, but the, the food was bad, but they had, the bakery part was actually quite good. Mm-hmm. And had they just Their service ab- was terrible. The people who ran it were... And they were abusive insane. to people that left. They would say, like, you don't deserve to come here. Never come back. Very, so, it was, so it was a shunda, is what it was. Yeah, very weird bit of television. Um, Jason, what have you been watching? Well, I listened to Jake Fogelness and the Fogelness Files off of uh, Earwolf.com. Yes. And he turned me on... Earwolf... He turned me on to a movie called Room Turther. Uh, I'm gonna. He turned me on to a room called. Uh, fuck! I can't say this right. There's Okay. The point is, no, no, no. Turned you on. Yes, Jake Fogelnuss turned me on to a movie called Room Tur. I cannot. Turd? Sorry, I'm really tired, guys. <laughs> he turned me on to a movie called Room Two Thirty Seven. It's a it's a movie directed by Rodney Asher. It's a documentary about The Shining, like and not about like, the right? Shining, but about like all these crazy people who have these insane theories yeah. about The Shining. That it was like it's all about the uh, massacre of the Indians. It's about the Holocaust. Huh. It's about how um, it's all about how Stanley Kubrick helped um, fake the moon landing, the original moon landing. It's Ah, uh, and like all these like super heady. Oh, what if you do? If you do this, if you watch the movie from start to finish, but then also play it at the same time, superimposed on itself from the finish to the first, there are all these things that link up. And it's like holy shit! What did you have to do with your life? Why were you? Ah, uh, why would you dedicate your life to finding this out? And had you seen the movie, or you just listened to the podcast talking about it? Oh, I, I had listened to the podcast, but then I got the movie. Oh, great. Okay. Got a copy of it. Yeah. And it's amazing, these people's. Um, oh, one her whole theory about the Minotaur and how there's a poster of a skier, but it looks like a Minotaur, and how Calumet <laughs> means peace pipe. And when you can see all the peace pipes, like, perfectly aligned, then the, the piece has been, like, it's fine. But when you see the, 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 the Calumet uh, pipe tobacco cans, when they're reversed and such... That means the peace pipe has been broken. It's like, oh my god, seriously? And like, it's because Stanley Kubrick was known to be this crazy auteur who wanted everything to be perfect. So of course, he, those things aren't random. He's not randomly putting them in a scene. It means something. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess the most recent shining thing I did is here, maybe a few hours from where I live in uh, Portland, Oregon. There's the Overlook. Um, hotel i think it's called which is where they film the exteriors for the shining yeah and seeing that in person is really kind of blows you away even though we saw it like in the last fall i think when my um mom and stepdad came to visit 
And, I mean, they didn't film it on the inside, so it doesn't look the same on the inside. But I was really surprised. Like, we, we went all around the, the touristy parts of that hotel, and you can stay there at the hotel. And there's no plaque saying that The Shining was filmed there. No behind-the-scenes, like, bit with props or anything. No shots from the film shoot. Nothing. It's very odd. It's kind of a tourist attraction. I, you would think so, but it's... Yeah, part of, part of Oregon is keeping things weird and keeping things close to the vest and not talking about anything. So, um, yeah, I would think it would be a natural for a little museum or something. But I would recommend people see it in person. And we had food at the pub in there, and it's uh, it's rather nice. Had a good beer cheese soup. Mm. Thrasher, what have you been watching? Well, I saw Fast 6. Ugh. Had you seen the other Fast and the Furious movies? Only Fast 5. Okay, I've only seen Fast 2, and I turned down an opportunity to see Fast 6, because I thought I I might be confused. I could not stand Fast 5. Fast 6 was a brilliantly dumb action movie. It was very, very entertaining. They 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 succeeded. Basically, they didn't even try to be clever. They knew they couldn't be, so they just didn't even try. So as a result, it succeeds at being a dumb, fun action movie. The, the, you can tell that the people making the movie don't think that they're making the greatest movie ever made. Are you excited and, with the teaser at the end of the film for Fast 7? Strangely, I kind of am. We'll see. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the sequel cast in which we've talked about Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Adriana, thank you for being on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for letting me. It was a lot of fun. Have you been on a podcast before? Yeah, this is my first podcast experience. We popped a cherry. Woo! Oh, God. Was it a maraschino cherry? She's a redhead right now. I'll take that as a yes. Um, okay. So, you can check out Adriana's work at chevalnoirdesigns.com. That's C-H-E-V-A-L-N-O-I-R designs.com. You can uh, email the show at sequelcast at gmail.com. Donate at sequelcast.com slash donate uh, follow me on twitter at sequelcast follow thrasher on twitter at internet mayor and check out yeah, yeah. jersey jason's tumblr at j aaron's 20 that's j a r o n s 20.tumblr.com is that right yep that's perfect excellent i haven't said that before uh, okay so for the sequel cast this is matt and thrasher and jersey jason and Adriana. same did you notice how shallow Dobby's grave was? He's buried like six inches down. The moment they step away from that grave, seagulls are just going to swarm in and peck his body to pieces. <laughs>